Hello, friends, and welcome to the Ask Nurse Alice podcast, the show where we talk about anything and everything nursing and healthcare related. I'm your host, Alice Benjamin, clinical nurse specialist, family nurse practitioner, and chief nursing officer at nurse.org. On today's show, I'll be talking about the do's and don'ts for taking care of people who work in the healthcare profession. I'll share some of my own personal accounts of being the patient while secretly not telling the staff I'm a nurse and discuss when I pulled out the I am a nurse card. And we'll also talk about why some providers get anxious when taking care of other health professionals and answer the question, are nurses and doctors really the worst patients? All that and more on this episode. You're listening to Ask Nurse Alice, presented by Nurse.org, where Alice Benjamin combines no-nonsense advice with thought-provoking interviews. You know, I just want to share that becoming a nurse was the best career choice for me, but I also remember feeling a lack of confidence when I graduated. Fortunately, for today's new graduates, there's the Nurse Residency Program with HCA Healthcare, designed to help you succeed. It helps you get hands-on experience and support from other nurses and residents to build a foundation for your career. Plus, there are other wonderful benefits, such as tuition reimbursement, student loan assistance, and much more. I wish my younger self had the advice to apply for the nurse residency program, and you can learn more about it at careers.hcahealthcare.com slash residency. That's careers.hcahealthcare.com slash residency. HCA Healthcare is an equal opportunity employer. To today's topic about the do's and don'ts about being a healthcare provider while being the patient. You know, it's kind of like this switcheroo. It's always different when you're on the other side of the fence, or should I say other side of the bed rail, because that's really what it is. And for me, I would say, you know, I thoroughly love, love, love and enjoy being a nurse. And my why for why I became a nurse really stems from my dad. My dad died of a massive heart attack in the emergency room. And I could feel as a family member, so much disconnect between my dad, the healthcare providers, and them communicating with us as a family. So that inspired me to want to be the best cardiac nurse in the world and help bridge the gap between providers and families so patients better understood their situations. Now, obviously life go life happens, you know, and sometimes there are life events that will land us in the hospital in a doctor's office. And interestingly enough, although we are healthcare providers, we are still consumers of healthcare. We are not immune from getting sick or needing services around healthcare. And in my own personal experience, there's a time or two where I found myself in the hospital having to be admitted for either a surgery, share this. I had actually an anaphylactic reaction to some medication. That's how I learned I was allergic to sulfa. But these were instances that landed me in the hospital. And I'll say this, as a healthcare provider, I know how demanding the job can be. I know how busy we are, all the things that are on our plate. We're trying to do the best that we can with the, you know, the resources that we have. And so we're always working hard. We don't eat our lunches. We skip breaks. We don't go to the restroom. We barely have time to drink water, all because we're taking care of other people. So naturally as a patient, I came with this understanding. The nurses are really busy. They're going to do their job. And those type of things. But let me just, let me back up a little bit and tell you this particular story. I had a spider bite. At least that's what they told me it was. 
uh, looked like an abscess and it needed to be drained. So they drained it and they gave me some antibiotics. They gave me some Bactrim to take. And less than 24 hours of taking the Bactrim, I started to get really itchy, have hives. My throat felt scratchy. Like I was just puffing up like a balloon. And basically I went straight to the emergency room. And at this emergency room, they were, yeah, they were busy as every emergency room is. But I literally walked up to the window to where the initial triage person was there literally asking me what's going on without having looked up at my face. I was so disgusted with this, y'all, because you could have at least had eye contact with me. But, you know, they were saying, okay, we're really busy. What's going on? And I started to describe my symptoms, but the person wouldn't look up at me. And I could feel my throat getting like tight. I felt my tongue getting fat. I was itchy. I was swollen. And I didn't feel like I was getting attention from the nurse that was in front of me. And so I literally like slammed my hands on the table and said, I am having an anaphylactic reaction. And then the person looked up to me and kind of just stared at me. I said, I am a nurse and I know I am having an anaphylactic reaction to sulfa. I need to be seen. And I kind of had to throw in that I'm a nurse card. I don't know what it was, but I threw that in there despite what I looked like, right? You can obviously see that I'm swelling. I'm having all these hives and stuff. That should have been enough. But it wasn't until I said threw in that I'm a nurse did I get rushed back to the emergency room. And so, you know, I'm back there. They start putting a line in me and things like that. And, you know, people are like, what, who is she? Why is she back there? Oh, she's having a, she's a nurse. She's having a reaction. And it was like this different type of treatment I got because I said that I was a nurse. I don't know. You know, it's a, this is a subject, it's subjective, obviously, but I felt that me pulling out this nurse card is what expedited some of the care and the treatment that I got because hey, she's a nurse, she knows what's going on. And I present with this, these symptoms and I proceeded to explain myself in a way that healthcare providers talk. You know, you know, sometimes patients will tell us what's going on with them and they go around this big circle, it's a long story. But as a healthcare provider, we know those bullet points, those trigger words, the things that say that are garner attention and immediate attention it is. So anyways, I'm back there, I'm getting treated. I literally can hear the residents on the side saying, if we need to intubate her, can I do it? Can I do it? I literally can hear this. I turn over. I'm like, I can hear you. I hear you. And they just kind of look at me like, whoa. So I think as a healthcare provider, you know, I'm not sure that the average person would have understood what that language intubated. Maybe, maybe not though, but I did. And as a healthcare provider, I didn't appreciate it. I didn't appreciate hearing that. There were also certain things that were happening when I was back there. I mean, they started the lines, they started to give me medications, you know, all of this while I'm explaining what's happening, things are moving pretty quickly. But some of also what I kept hearing is, oh, she's a nurse. She understands. She, she knows. And yes, I mean, at the time I'm, I'm a clinical nurse specialist at the time I have, I think maybe 15 years of experience under my belt, but I'm still a patient. I need you to explain things to me as things are happening and as they're going along. Yes, I'm a nurse, but you don't know what kind of nurse I am. You know, you you don't. I could be oncology. I could be outpatient. I could be pediatrics. I could be someone who's never worked in a hospital. Like I'm glad in one sense that the word nurse gave them a sense of, oh, she knows what we're talking about. You know, giving me credit for knowing all of these things, which I did, by the way but it didn't exempt them from explaining things. Just because you have a patient who is a doctor or a nurse 
doesn't exclude you from including them in the process, talking to them about what's going on. You need to talk to patients the same until you've established some type of understanding of what kind of nurse am I and do I really understand this? Because sometimes you can be, you know, a very smart, bright nurse or physician, work in critical care. You can actually work in the emergency room. But sometimes when you are the patient, you have to understand that still, you know, patient education is a priority because while I do know a lot of things, I'm not always thinking of what's happening from the nursing perspective because I'm a patient. I don't feel good. I'm worried about what's going on with my swollen tongue and my scratchy throat, this itching. I'm so uncomfortable. I'm worried about what's happening. I'm wanting to know like, what's, what are you guys going to be giving me? Because even in my head, if I had an idea of what I should be getting, that doesn't necessarily mean that that's what's going to happen. And I can't assume that. So I'm so stressed about myself and my situation. I don't have necessarily the capacity to think about what the nursing staff, what the medical team is actually doing, ordering and all those things. And just, you know, especially don't assume that I understand this, that I know what you're doing. I really don't. So it's really important that, you know, we take into consideration that Healthcare providers, whether you're a nurse, whether you're a doctor, respiratory therapist, whatever you are in the healthcare profession, we are still patients and we deserve to be treated with the you know full spectrum, with the same courtesy, with the same services. Don't shortchange me because I'm a nurse. Don't not educate me about you know what you think is going on, what your differential diagnoses are, how we're going to treat this, and what I can expect. What medications are you giving me? What are the side effects? Don't exempt me from getting that patient education because I'm a nurse. I'm glad that, you know, you trust that I'm a nurse and I already know these things. And again, I do know these things because I am a nurse, but in this situation, I'm not the nurse. I am the patient. So that is something that I think we as healthcare professionals at some point in time probably have been guilty of doing, right? It's like, oh, they're a doctor, they should know. And because of that, we give them more of a cliff notes than the full explanation that we would give to a patient. And I think that's where it's really important to identify, you know, where they are with the understanding of what's happening. So I've always led with a question similar to, has the doctor told you uh, what's going on right now? So has someone spoken to you about the plan of care, what's happening and what we're going to do? I just ask, you know, or, you know, so you're here because you're having this itching, this scratchy throat, and you believe it's related to this medication. Do you have an understanding of what's actually happening right now? Because I want to make sure I explain it to you so you can be well-informed and know what we're doing along the way. I think we need to have that and just not assume that because they're a doctor nurse that they know these things. I also think that we do it. I'm saying we as a healthcare profession, because I think we've all may have been guilty of this is we actually think it's easier sometimes. Like, oh, they're a nurse. I don't have to explain this. Yes, you do. You do, guys. And again, we often don't ask the questions, what kind of nurse, until later, what kind of nurse are you? Where do you work? How many years of experience do you have? Because, you know, all of those things play a factor in someone's knowledge. We know that, that yes, we are all licensed, but we all come in at different knowledge and skill levels, right? Especially based on our specialty and how long we've been practicing. So those are all important things. So I threw in there that I had to pull the I'm a nurse card. So I want to talk about this. You could say doctor, nurse healthcare professional card, but basically it's letting the, the team know that I'm a healthcare provider. I know what I'm talking about. That's really what that's saying. 
because there's no need to mention that you're a nurse because you're not on duty. I'm not checking in for duty. I'm not taking a patient assignment. But in my situation, the one that I explained, first I said, I'm having an anaphylactic reaction. Didn't necessarily get the immediate attention that I felt that statement should have gotten. So I said, I am a nurse. I am having a reaction. And then that garnered the attention. I don't really like doing that, guys. I really don't like saying that I'm a nurse so early on in whatever type of healthcare setting or treatment, especially when I'm the patient or my family member or my friend is a patient, because I want to walk in there knowing, hoping for the equal and fair treatment of all patients, whether someone's a janitor, whether they're a nurse, whether they're homeless, we really should be providing the best care to everyone that comes into our emergency room, that comes into our unit, that comes into our clinic. We really should, and we shouldn't have to use a, you know, any type of privilege, healthcare professional privilege to expedite treatments, to get better treatment or whatever the case may be. But I had to do it because I was re- literally, guys, I was having a reaction. I was worried about my airway closing. So I pulled that card. Now, I only did it out of necessity. I want to talk about some of the times when we get patients who like, that's the first thing they, they lead with. You know, I'm a doctor or I'm a nurse. Or my daughter is a nurse. My my son's a doctor. Like we get that all the time. And you know, I think sometimes some patients, especially not in emergent situations like that, can take offense to it because we're like, okay, and literally we can't. We're like, okay, what does that have to do with? In our heads, we're saying this, right? What does your daughter, your having being a nurse or a doctor, have to do with this? Or you know, why are we information sharing this? Sometimes these are the things that cross our heads, right? And sometimes the patient's just making small talk. And we shouldn't take it personal, but some of us take it personal because we feel like it's an attack or like shots fired, warning signals, smoke signals. Hey, you better act right because I have somebody who's going to double check, triple check everything that you're doing. So make sure your I's are dotted and your T's are crossed. I think sometimes healthcare professionals can interpret that when we're on the receiving end and whatever the patient's intentions are, whether it's for small talk. Um, whether it's to find something that's relatable to build, you know, start rapport with you, or maybe it is warning shots like, hey, get your shit together. My son's over here, a doctor and a nurse. They're going to make sure that you're doing what you're supposed to do. Whatever the case may be, don't take it personal. Just receive the information like, okay, wow, that's wonderful. You know, I actually like to follow up like, oh, that's wonderful. What kind of nurse are they? Where do they work? That's great. And, you know, in a friendly and a non-threatening and manner, Because for one, I am kind of curious, like, oh, wow, that's cool. You know, my patient's daughter or son is a nurse or a doctor. Where do they work? And it also helps to provide me some information or some context as to what I could possibly expect. So for example, if the patient's in my ICU and they say, oh, my my daughter is a nurse or my daughter's a doctor, and I ask them where they work, like, oh, they work in a pediatric cancer clinic. That gives me some idea, right? And just, this is generalizing some general idea like, okay, what their specialty is and to maybe better understand when I'm speaking to them, uh, what their background is, right? I can never assume, but it gives me an idea because generally I'm going to come in contact with this person for, you know, they're going to want to update a report or, you know, want to know what's happening. And it's okay to say, you know, once you get them on the phone, like the daughter or the nurse, the daughter who's a nurse or a doctor comes on the phone and you can say, hi, my name's Alice. I'm the nurse that's taking care of your father today. You know, he mentioned that you're a doctor in a pediatrics outpatient clinic. That's awesome. He's so lucky to have you. You know, some small talk to just kind of break the ice. So they know 
that, you know, that they're in the healthcare profession. Now, it shouldn't really change how we talk to people, but I think it's to make things less awkward, it's, you know, not a bad idea to go ahead and lead in with that, you know, to just break the ice and address the elephant in the room. And sometimes what I will say is, you know, I know you're a healthcare professional. Your father is here in the hospital. Sometimes we as healthcare professionals can talk very quickly and, you know, use acronyms and language that not everyone understands. And I just wanted to to know, is that okay with you? Or, you know, if not, I can just talk like I'm talking to your father, which would you prefer? So that way it lets them know that, hey, I'm acknowledging that there's an expert uh, health professional in the family, but I'm also respecting you enough to realize that you're not on duty. Although you are licensed as a doctor or nurse, you're not working as a doctor or nurse right now because that's your father. You're actually being a son or a daughter right now. And I want you to operate in that capacity and feel comfort in knowing that we, the healthcare team, will actually, in fact, take great care of your loved one. You can chill. You go and be a good child to your parents and just love on them and support them. That's your job. It's not your job right now to be worried about these labs and these diagnostic tests and treatments and medications. I'm going to keep you updated and informed as we're doing them. So you know what we're doing every step of the way. And you know, by the way, as we're doing this, if you feel like there's something that we could add to the treatment plan or would like us to consider, I'm totally open to receiving it, right? So we keep that communication lines open, but we have to understand that they're not on duty. So we should not necessarily be giving cliff notes to them or speaking to them like we're giving them handoff a report and that they're part of the team unless they've okayed that, okay? Usually when they have a loved one that's in the hospital and hey, it might be them, they might be the healthcare professional especially if they're the patient, they really should be focused on just recovering, recuperating and recovering and not having to think about the plan of care per se, at least the plan of care where they are coming up with medications, treatments, surgeries, and things like that. We really want them to trust that the providers are, you know, doing the best they can, going the right route and them just focusing on recovery. So, you know, that, that's what I've done. It seems to have worked well for me. And then sometimes you get those family members who say, oh, my daughter is a nurse and, you know, she's going to be here. And then the daughter comes to the bedside and will say, oh, you, you know, your daughter said, your mom said that you're a nurse. Well, I'm actually a nursing assistant and I'm in school, a nursing school. Okay. So see, this is why you have to vet the information about someone being in the healthcare professional. Now I'll say this, you don't necessarily have to, but in order to make sure that we're communicating openly and honestly and in the best way possible, it's good to assess what someone's knowledge or skill level is. I've had this a lot where the person's actually a nursing assistant and in nursing school, or they've graduated from nursing school, but they've not taken their boards yet and they've not worked. Okay. I'm not going to discount it like they don't know anything, but as far as clinical real life lived experience as a nurse, they don't necessarily have that. So there might be some gaps in their knowledge. It's no shade. It's no diss. It's just to kind of help people be, you know, informed, right? So, you know, don't discount the information that they're going to provide you. They might make suggestions for things, but if they're, you know, the person who just graduated from nursing school, haven't taken their boards and aren't practicing yet, and they make a recommendation, don't just shoot it down. Just say, you know, acknowledge whatever they say they're recommending. But if that truly is indeed not part of the care plan, you can explain why. Say, I know you're recommending, you asked about some ABGs, but at this point, you know, your dad's oxygenating well, his H and H are fine, 
his chest x-ray is actually looking better and the medication seem to be working for him. So at this point, an ABG doesn't necessarily need to be ordered because it's not necessarily going to provide us a lot of information that's going to change our course with what we're doing. It's not to say an ABG is never warranted with someone who's had an asthma exacerbation. However, at, at this point in his scenario, it's not necessarily needed. It'd be an, un, it'd be an unnecessary poke um, lab tests and charge for your for your dad and the healthcare insurance and he's doing well so it's not, not necessarily needed but thank you so much for our, you know for suggesting that if you think of anything else please by all means we're here to listen I know some of y'all are like I don't have time for that well you know what I think we should make a little time for that I think you should make time for that I think how we communicate with our peers whether they're on duty or off duty whether they're the patient or the family support of a, a patient that we're taking care of. I think it's important. I think it's important. And I think that it also helps to facilitate camaraderie and trust in our profession. It gets away from the nurses eating our young type of thing, and it fosters learning and communication. So it's really, really important. But I will say that some people don't like when the family members do this because, or let's say the patient, let's say the patient will do it. They'll, they'll say, oh my gosh, this is the doctors and nurses are really the worst patients. No, they're not. We just don't have a layer of ignorance that sometimes the public has that can be a protective measure because we know too much. And sometimes when we're the patient, our mind can run wild because, oh my gosh, now it's me. What if it's this? What if it's that? What if it's this? What if it's that? And we, get, we drive ourselves crazy when we get patients like that. We're like, oh my gosh, would they just stay off of WebMD? Right. And not saying that we're on WebMD, but I'm just saying as a patient, you have so many things that you're worried and concerned and afraid about. So, you know, you're going to your mind's going to travel and think of all of the things possible that could be happening. All of the things that, you know, all the treatments, pl- opportunities and options that exist. Sometimes it's just not needed. It's just not needed. Something else I also want to mention is sometimes we have doctors or nurses who are patients and we will say, along the lines of saying that, oh, they're difficult. Sometimes we say that because we're called out on our shit. And I just said it, I said it just like that because the time where I was admitted for the anaphylactic reaction, I recall the ER nurses coming into the room and administering medications. And it's like they had a little syringe and they were going straight for the IV to put something in there. And I remember saying, whoa, 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 hold on. What's that? Right. And then the nurse would tell me what the medication is. And I'll say, because all I see is a syringe with liquid in it. I'm just saying, I'm sorry. What is that again? And I asked, did you draw that up in the med room? Yes. Because I don't, I don't see it. I don't know what you opened. I don't know if that's saline. I don't know what it is. And I'm not saying that I didn't trust the nurse, but because of the totality of behaviors, I had some mistrust because I said, could you wash your hands, please? And then she said, well, I washed my hands before I came in. I said, I understand that, but I didn't see you wash your hands and you're about to access my IV. And I, you know, having worked in the emergency room myself, I know that sometimes we can inadvertently touch things along the way. And I would just prefer that I that you wash your hands before you access my IV. She got so mad at me. She got so mad at me. How are you going to be mad at me? You're literally about to access and insert something in directly into my bloodstream. And I don't, for one, I don't know what it is that you have in that syringe. And for two, I don't, you didn't have an alcohol wipe. You were just going to go for the, for the hub. Cause I asked her that too. After she washed her hands, I said, do you have an alcohol wipe? 
She huffed and puffed, got an alcohol wipe, wiped it, and then she inserted the medication. And then she inserted it fast. I was like, how long? I said, aren't you supposed to? Isn't that over a minute? You know, and then she just kind of looked at me and I just kind of shook my head like, this is some bullshit here. It's because I know as a nurse, all of the things that I'm supposed to do when it comes to infection control, when it comes to medication rights, when it comes to educating the patient about the medication you're giving them. And this particular nurse didn't do those things. I had to call her out for her to do them. So every time she came in the room, I did have some mistrust. I did because she wasn't forthcoming with explaining things to me, demonstrating things to me. I didn't trust her. I didn't trust her. So in her eyes, I'm pretty sure I was the difficult patient, but that doesn't make me a bad patient. It just, I just want you to do what I know you're supposed to do. Right. And I, and now that I'm thinking about it, this particular nurse didn't know that I was a nurse right away. She actually came in, I think this at the change of shift and maybe she missed that part, but later yeah, she did because later she says, Oh, I understand you're a nurse. What kind of nurse are you? And because she had a little funk in her, her tone and her facial expression, I said, oh, I'm an advanced practice nurse, been a nurse for over 15 years working in the ICU and ER. And, you know, I've been a clinical instructor um, and those type of things. And, you know, I teach ACLS and blah, blah, blah. So I had to drop my resume on her. I don't really like to do that. But in this situation, because she was a little funky, I did. I had to pop my collar. But and so I'm pretty sure that made her even more think that I was a worse nurse. But it wasn't because she didn't do what I know that every nurse, we learned this in fundamentals 101. This isn't even some advanced shit that I was asking her to do. Some basic fundamentals. Wash your hands, use an alcohol wipe to scrub the hub. Explain to me what you're giving to me, what it's for, what are the side effects, what's your report to you. And then also give the medication properly. Don't just slam it in my IV. Give it over the one or two minutes that it's supposed to be given. And then when you're done giving it to me, please come back and reassess that the medication even worked. So those were the things that I was kind of pissed about. And I don't think that that was asking too much. I really don't. So when I thought of this episode, the do's and don'ts about taking care of people who work in healthcare profession, I needed people to know this. And many of us who are in the healthcare profession, who've been patients, I'm pretty sure we've seen this happen. And for most of us, like myself, I usually hold on to the I am a nurse card until it's absolutely necessary because I want to trust that you're going to do what you're supposed to do, but I also want to see how you do. And then if I see enough and you fail the test, then I'm going to drop the I'm a nurse card in there because I don't want to add another layer of anxiety to someone who's already working hard, who's not taking their breaks, who's not getting any water to drink, who's not peeing, who's overworked, who doesn't get to sit down. Like I don't want to stress the nurse because I know what it's like to be a nurse. Really, really I do. And so that's when I was the patient. Now I've had situations where I've gone with friends and family members who've been patients and I'm always delegated. Like, can you be the, the family representative and get the reports and things like that? And I'll tell you, I've been on the phone with nurses getting updates on patients and nurses and doctors also, but you know, since it's nurse.org, I'm going to focus on nurses right now. Nurses, when it comes to educating a family, giving a patient update, please be thorough with your information. Make it make sense. Because I recall being on the phone with a nurse, and this is at the onset of the pandemic. I was uh, over the phone talking to a nurse about the status of a family member who potentially had COVID 
or could it have been the flu? We weren't sure yet. It was early on in admission. And this nurse was just give, giving me excuses about things. And I let her talk. I let her talk. I let her explain things. And then when she was done, I asked her, started to ask her very direct questions to get the information I needed to help draw a conclusion as to what was going on. And some of the things that she said couldn't be done, could be done. Some of the things that weren't ordered and the, well, the doctor hasn't ordered them yet. You know what? It's been eight hours. It's been four hours. I need you to get on the phone and call the provider. Well, they usually run in the morning. I need you to get on the phone and call the provider and inform. Did you inform them that the vital signs were A, B, and C? Did you tell them that the labs were this, this, and that? Well, no, they will see it on the computer. Well, it's been a couple hours. I've waited. I need you to. So I had to, I had to get this nurse all the way together. I had to get her all the way together with the bits and pieces of clinical information that were suggesting that the person I was calling about was deteriorating. And so that's also when I had to pull the, I am a nurse card because she didn't get it. I was going back and forth with her. And so I said, you know what? I am an advanced practice nurse. May I speak to your charge nurse, please? Got on the phone with the charge nurse and everything I said to the charge nurse was well understood. Things started moving. And I hated the feeling that I had to do that. It really kind of just like this pit in my stomach that I couldn't trust a colleague, even though I don't work directly with her because the person was a nurse, I couldn't trust a colleague to do what they were supposed to do. And so when I would ask questions or make suggestions, it was dismissed until I said, I am a nurse. And with this particular nurse, I guess she proceeded to say, well, we don't do it like that here. And then that's when I said, let me talk to your charge nurse. Cause I've said, actually, I said, I'm a nurse. I'd like to speak to your charge nurse. I've been a charge nurse before and I know how this works. She didn't like that. But when the charge nurse got on the phone, the charge nurse completely understood what I had to say. And then subsequent to that, every nurse was on it. So I guess they <laughs> rearranged their assignment because it was then, quote unquote, became the bad patient. Oh, they got a nurse in their family. They got a doctor in their family, the bad patient. So anyways, from then moving forward, the nurses who apparently are on their shit were the ones that were assigned to my family member in the hospital because they knew that I was going to be calling because I remember following night day nurse eh, was okay. But the night nurse, he was on it. He was on it. As soon as I called, it's like, hi, I'm Alice. I'm calling for an update on so-and-so. Oh, sure. And boom, 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 boom. Just ran me the whole S bar. I said, wow. I said, that has been the, the most thoroughest update I have received from any of your colleagues there. Like, well, he said, I heard that you're an uh, advanced practice nurse, so I wanted to make sure that I had all the information for you. And tell I tell you everything from labs to EKG to diagnostic test results, like he was on it, he made it make sense. And I felt kind of sad, like, why did you have to do that? You only did that because I'm a nurse, an advanced practice nurse, and you knew that I was going to be looking for this information. Why couldn't you have that level of report? ready to go for a family member. You know, maybe you might have changed the words a little bit, explained it a little bit differently, but all of that information really gave me a good idea of what was going on with my loved one in the hospital. And I think that family members, even when you're not a healthcare provider, should be entitled to receive that level of updates as well. So when it, you know, the topic of this podcast was the do's and don'ts of taking how to take care of a healthcare professional. And so I think the biggest do is do make sure that whatever level of care or information that you would want to provide a knowledgeable healthcare provider about their care, 
that you do provide that as well for the lay people. So they have a good idea of what's going on with their patients. And then also, just because I'm a healthcare professional, don't assume that I know everything that's happening or understand, you know, this specialty, this level of care. I understand the lingo or these medications because this might not be the specialty I work in. So the same way you would speak to a family member, use that with me as well, especially until you, you've established that I understand your specialty lingo and want to receive a very high level SBAR instead of, you know, a regular patient education update. So I think those are some of the things that we as healthcare professionals just need to keep in mind and consider because, hey, sooner or later, we as healthcare professionals will end up as a healthcare consumer if you haven't already. And even if it's not us, our family members, you know, we take our kids to the doctors and to their checkups, you know, our spouses, our significant others, our parents, everyone at some point in their life, if not multiple times, will require the care of a healthcare provider, whether it's an emergency, planned surgery, or for some chronic illness. And I think it's communication is going to be key, not only as the patient and the patient's, you know, family member, but also as a provider. I want to be able to, you know, communicate the same way with everyone. That way I'm not not having to feel like I'm all, I have to be on my P's and Q's with this one. Oh, I can relax here and I don't have to do this with this person. No, if you establish a solid method in which you communicate with your patients, this will be easy. It won't feel like it's hard work. It won't feel like, oh my gosh, I got to do all this because they're a nurse, they're a doctor and you know their dad is in the hospital. No, if you if you can give a solid update and a solid report and a solid picture about what's happening to your patient, that's all I need as a healthcare provider. Now, mind you, because I'm a healthcare provider, I would probably like the data to back that up. So like, for example, if you say to a patient, you know, you know, you've been diagnosed with congestive heart failure, which means your heart is a little weaker and isn't able to pump blood as effectively to the rest of your heart. Okay, that's fine. You can say that to a healthcare provider, but the healthcare provider may also be curious to know, like, okay, I understand that. Can you provide some objective data to go along with that? You know, and that objective data would be, you know, the ejection fraction. And that's totally okay. And you don't necessarily reserve the ejection fracture just for the patient who's a healthcare provider. So even your regular patients who's not a healthcare provider, if you tell them they have heart failure and their heart is weak, you know, educate them. You know, your ejection fracture based on the last echocardiogram was 30%. Give them the information that they need so they can be knowledgeable consumers. Don't feel like, oh, I just need to reserve that for my healthcare provider patients or when their daughter or son who's a nurse or a doctor call has information for them. I think that's what makes us as the actual provider feel like, oh, these patients are being difficult. They're asking for all this information. This is information they're entitled to. This is information that all of your patients are entitled to, whether they work in healthcare or not. Those are things that are really, really important. As a healthcare provider, like I mentioned earlier, there are a lot of things that we we know what happens in the background. We know the writing on the wall. We know when it looks like, uh-oh, something's, something's getting ready to happen. Don't withhold that from them when they're the patient. Like, for example, I'll use this. Maybe the patient comes in for, I don't know, comes in for chest pain 
they believe it's a non-ST elevated MI and they may be going for cardiac catheterization. We know that as a healthcare provider that that's possibly going to go on in the background, but the patient doesn't know yet because perhaps the doctor hasn't explained it to them, right? But because that is the plan, we went ahead and made them MPO for anticipation that they're going to the cath lab. But no one's really talked to the patient yet, right? I think that obviously the physician does need to talk to the patient about going to the cardiac cath. However, especially when the patient is a healthcare provider or there's a healthcare provider that's in the patient's family that's inquiring, I think it's okay to say that. I think it's okay to say, you know, we're, we're still waiting for the doctor to come and talk to your dad about what the plan is. However, what can happen in this situation is that because they may suspect that there's some coronary artery involvement because the troponin levels were a little elevated, um, even though we didn't see any ST elevation, but you know, your dad did have some chest pain. So in order to fully understand what's going on, we will sometimes do take a patient to the cardiac catheterization lab to evaluate the coronary arteries. And if that is the plan, it's going to be important that we keep your father, you know, stomach empty. So nothing to eat or drink for right now until we know otherwise, even though it's not set in stone, we want to plan accordingly. So if it does happen, we can move quickly versus if we let him eat now, it may delay the procedure for another day. And we don't want to do that. Explain it, explain it. And listen, I know this episode is about the do's and don'ts about taking care of patients who are healthcare providers, but not even just the healthcare provider. I think this is information that can be extended to a regular person. I mentioned healthcare providers because we know too much. You know, we've been on the other side. And so we might be wondering like, well, are they going for a cath lab? Or are they not going for a cath lab? Listen, you know what we usually do, but you know, the healthcare provider, the doctor needs to come in and make those final decisions, but we're anticipating this may be the plan. So this is why we're going this route explain it to them. Don't wait for them to have to ask you because when they have to ask you, then they're going to start asking very poignant questions and you're going to feel like they're nitpicking. And because you've not explained it to them, they're going to feel like you don't know what you're talking about. And it just creates for a big old mess. So let's be collegial. Let's be courteous to our fellow colleagues, especially when they are the patient or perhaps the family of a patient, just because we know that they know. So it's not like we're really hiding anything you know, don't play coy and hide behind, oh, the doctor hasn't called yet. The doctor hasn't said yet. We know that the doctor hasn't called yet. We know the doctor hasn't said yet. However, in sometimes in situations like this, yada, 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 let's do it like that. Because I'll say this, it pisses me off when fellow nurses just act like they don't know what's going on. You know what's going on, or you may have an idea of what's going on. Explain that to me so I can be prepared if that is the, the way we the, what we're going. And even if it's not the way that we're going, I'm going to appreciate that you explain to me sometimes what can happen in these situations. It's something for me to consider. Also, make sure you listen to them. Listen, listen, listen. Patients know their bodies and they should be partners in their care, okay? That's just like at the top of the, the podcast when I said that I told the initial nurse that I'm having an anaphylactic reaction. And even though they looked up at me, I guess my maybe they didn't look, maybe I didn't look like I was, dying in that moment. It felt like I was dying, but I said, I am a nurse. I'm having a reaction. Then they said something. Then they did something because they're like, oh, well, she's a nurse. She knows, she knows better. She's not faking her symptoms. Even if I wasn't a nurse, I wouldn't be faking my symptoms. You should listen to the patients. We know our bodies the best. So make sure that you're listening to people. Manage their their pain and their complaints swiftly. Again, I was extremely uncomfortable. My throat, I felt like it was tightening up. 
And it was actually, you know, I got, I got the whole series of Epi, Benadryl, Solumedrol, a whole bunch of other things when I was back there in the emergency room, but move quickly. Okay, guys, no one likes to not feel good. Now in this situation, I could have died because it was anaphylactic reaction, but even if it wasn't, if it, I was in pain, no one wants to be there sitting in pain for so long. Move swiftly when we're taking care of people. And if you're going to do a treatment, reassess, reassess. Some of the nurses that gave me my medications earlier did not come back and reassess. And I could hear the conversations. I got really good ears. I think I got dog ears where I can hear like for miles away. But I could hear physicians call and say, well, how is she doing? You gave this epi and the da-da-da-da-da. How is she doing? Oh, she's fine. How would you know? Lady, you ain't came to see me. You ain't asked me how I felt. How do you know I'm doing fine? Like looking at a monitor, looking at my cardiac rhythm, my O2 sat, without asking me how I'm feeling is not give you enough data to say I am doing fine. For all you know, that EKG could have been PEA. But anyways, make sure that you reassess. And then also something that I appreciated when I was a patient in the hospital is that when it came, when I was on the floor, nurses who would give bedside report, because we should be giving bedside report anyways, for those of you who work in the hospital. And actually, if you work in the clinics, you know, it's not a bad idea to give bedside report that way it gives the patient the opportunity to listen into the report and co-sign, ask questions, and it's another way to update them about what's going on in their care. I get real suspicious with people who don't like to give bedside report because I'm like, mm, are you going to say you did something and didn't do it? Why are you leaving me out of the conversation? I'm the patient. So anyways, that's also really important. So as a healthcare provider, when I saw these things and when I was treated this way, you know, it helped to build my confidence in the healthcare team because I knew that they were doing. Nurses and doctors who didn't do some of those basic and fundamental things, there was mistrust. And oftentimes it led to some type of dropped ball or miscommunication. And as a result, I, the patient, would suffer either in the form of a delay in treatment, you know, not having my discomfort relieved, and it was just not good. And then I would then, I'd get on that call light. I'd get on that call light, start asking questions. I need somebody to explain something to me. And the reason is because I knew better and I needed y'all to do better. So I got on the call and would ask questions to prompt you to do what you were supposed to do. So if that means that nurses and doctors are difficult patients, fuck it, I'll be difficult. But it's not being difficult. I'm, I'm an informed consumer. All of our patients should be informed and you should be doing what you're doing. Stop trying to be slick and not do what you're supposed to do. That's that part. But yeah, that's been my experience. As a nurse, being a patient, and a nurse being a family and friend of a patient, and also, I think I shared what it's like for me to be the nurse taking care of those type of people. Now, I don't have an issue with this now. I mean, I treat everyone with the same dignity, the same respect, and I ask, I know you're a nurse, I know you're a doctor, however, you're also the patient, and your job right now is to get better. So... I want to keep you updated and informed. Please let me know if you would like the high level detailed updates as I would do with the attendings or, you know, would you just prefer like the general general update that I provide most of the patients? And, you know, if you have additional questions, I can answer those. What would you like? Because I don't want to discount your knowledge, but I understand you're a physician. However, you're not a physician here. You're a patient here. So I want to treat you with that dignity and respect to allow you to rest your mind. That's not asking too much. It's really not. And sometimes 
healthcare providers, when they're the patient or the, the family members, they don't want to be bothered with all of those details. They're trusting that you, the assigned physician and nurse, are going to do that. So that's my story. I'm sticking to it. I think it's real important that we keep these things in mind when we're taking care of patients who may be healthcare providers, or maybe we're taking care of patients whose daughters or sons or family members or friends are healthcare providers. It's tough being a nurse and a doctor, and especially in today's climate, people trust us. They respect us. They really trust that their lives with us. So let's do everything that we're supposed to do and keep them updated along the way. Don't get upset if someone has an additional question or they ask a higher level question. And listen, if they ask you a question that you can't answer, you don't know, it's okay. Find someone who does or kick that question to the nurse practitioner, to the physician so that they can answer or the CNS so that they can answer for the patient. No one's trying to play gotcha. No one wants to say like, oh, you don't know what you're doing. We're all on the same team. The goal here is to get the patient, hopefully to recovery or to transition in the best way possible in the most respectable and dignified way. We are all here for the patient. And when we know better, we do better and we do better as a team. So let me know what you think. Let me know what your stories are. We at nurse.org would love to hear them. We'd love to share them. Do you agree with some of the stuff that I said? Do you disagree? What's been your experience. Let us know. You can email me at nursealice at nurse.org. As well, if you'd like to be a guest or want to hear a different topic, hey, we're open to hearing that as well. Email me at nursealice at nurse.org. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast. We really appreciate it. Make sure to share with a friend, a colleague, a classmate, a coworker, get the information out there. And then as well, you know, I'd love to hear what you think about the show. Leave a rating or a view. Go ahead and hit that like and subscribe button while you're at it and let us know because, you know, hey, we do this for you and I want to thank nurse.org for allowing this podcast to be without them. You wouldn't have the Ask Nurse Alice podcast. I'm your host, Nurse Alice. Follow me on all things social at Ask Nurse Alice. And until next time, guys, make good choices, be kind to one another and live well, my friends. Thanks for listening to Ask Nurse Alice. Visit nurse.org for nursing career, education, and community resources.